This is an after-school program podcast. Welcome to the Home Studio Hangout Podcast, where we explore what it's like building, running, and working out of a home studio with your hosts, Joshua Mautatuck, Andrew Simmons, and many guests in different areas of the music industry. And welcome back to the Home Studio Hangout Podcast with your boys, uh, Andrew and Josh. Hi. <laughs> Josh uh, had a conversation with me yesterday about doing a podcast episode today because he feels strongly that you guys need to learn about monitoring. And I agree. I think. Yeah. Well, I think it's everything, like, uh, not that it's everything. It's something that everyone deals with, you know? That's true. Because, like, you see people using really nice speakers, Mm -hmm. and you see people using not-so-nice speakers, but, like, they're both doing great work, and you're like, what should I do? So, I think, I I was going to say, so I think today we're going to talk about monitoring as far as the physical speakers, your listening environment, um, and ways to kind of approach listening in the environment, uh, different, you know, monitor setups. Uh, I think we'll kind of talk through some price points. I assume that that'll kind of come up just naturally, but, uh, some price points and maybe, you know, a few other, um, not, not monitor listening options. (laughs) Yes, precisely. So I think I think that we should start out with why. Okay, yeah, that's you would one. need like monitors or mm-hmm. nicer monitors. Um, so for those who are new, the difference between standard speakers and studio monitors is that studio monitors are going to give you a better response whenever you are working, meaning that you're going to hear more detail in the actual frequency response, but it's also going to translate better whenever you like finish up a mix and you want to go play it in the car or on your AirPods or wherever. Um, I mean, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's the very basic and idea. An- of- another main difference is that studio monitors are, I'm not going to say perfectly so, but they are not frequency hyped. They are supposed to be frequency flat supposed supposed to be. supposed to be frequency flat and that, that's, that's a key that's a key term yeah that's a key that is a key point right there but the idea is that the your studio monitors should be frequency flat roughly um so that whatever you do mixing wise will translate on any speaker system mm-hmm. whether it's a car another set of studio speakers airpods um the radio whatever yeah so like if you're um i forgot what i was gonna say (laughs) just cut that pause out just cut that pause out nope i I had a thought and then i had to burp and then i burped and by the time i burped the thought was gone (laughs) so that's how we do it yeah it's a good tuesday it's um so whenever you're kind of starting out i think it's best to just get a set of decent speakers and learn how to use them. Like Benny Blanco still uses his old rockets for whenever he was a teenager. Those mm-hmm. are like 
$150, the speaker. Um, so here, and that actually, to me, is a really good starting point of think about what you're doing first, right? So Benny Blanco mm-hmm. is a songwriter and a producer, generally speaking. I don't, yeah. he's not mixing anything mm-hmm. that he does. So no. what he wants out of studio monitors is something exciting and loud that he can be he can make music and it keeps him excited right yeah and like rockets are pretty hyped and Mm so they're low and hyped especially yeah so like he's just known those speakers for so long and he's sending the songs out for mix so it really isn't that big of a deal for him and plus like um i'm really not entirely sure but i mean his songs might even go through a second set of hands where they're Mm -hmm. kind of finishing the song and then that person is kind of cleaning up the mix before it goes to an actual mix engineer so like a pre-mix yeah so it's one of those things where it's not that big of a deal for him um you know if you are getting into mixing then you're obviously going to want to look at something a lot nicer um but also if you're not getting Mm -hmm. into mixing completely it's still important to have good monitoring um you know drew and i have talked about this a lot over the past few months because we feel like we're both in that place where our speakers are holding us back um Mm -hmm. and we're just kind of wasting a lot of time with mixes not translating properly now 50 percent of your sound is your speakers the other 50 percent is going to be your room um in my case i've mixed out of three different rooms in the past calendar year or four technically (laughs) And yeah. so it's hard for me to, you know, justify treating a room really well um, if I know I'm not going to be there long. That's also why I haven't upgraded my speakers yet is because it's hard to justify having a $3,000 set of speakers in an untreated room. Um, so now that we're going to be moving into a more permanent place here shortly, it's something I've been thinking about a lot. And I think that whenever you're, making that decision it's super important to research all the brands and figure out why they're better than Mm -hmm. one another but also listen to them if you can't listen to them thankfully um companies like sweetwater have a really great return policy so if you don't like something you're able to easily exchange it um which is super important because i mean you could go you know we've talked about making the trip to like vintage king or to the studio in nyc that has all of the pmcs there because we're Mm -hmm. we're both really into the brand pmc um they kind of set themselves apart in a lot of ways both with their design but also just straight up down to the kind of components that they use um and i don't like you've never listened to a set of pmcs right uh i have at vintage king whenever we were looking at when we were looking at uh, buying my friend Chris Bowman's Barefoots, and we were looking for Amphions, and I think we went through Focals as well, but the PMCs that they had weren't the PMCs that we were looking at. They were the the top end sideways dual set drive, the dual setup. Oh yeah, yeah. The so that voice that it's, are like it's very, not. Very I can't expensive. reference off of that. Right. So, um, yeah, the whole idea is, is that wherever you're at, you want to make sure that your gear isn't necessarily holding you back. Um, right now, you know, we did an episode all about microphones. I decided I'm not getting a U87 (laughs) 
but I haven't bought one yet because my slate mic isn't holding me back. I'm mm-hmm. not tracking people every day. I'm not, you know, traveling like I was supposed to outside of the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, so there's no reason for me to upgrade because right now it's not holding me back. If I'm just cutting demo vocals on myself, this mic sounds great on my voice and I've learned how to use it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can guarantee you once I get a nicer microphone, I'm still going to be using this microphone for backing vocals because that's basically what this mic is meant for. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you want to make sure that your gear isn't holding you back. I My friend Rob actually mentioned that whenever he was talking about his Amphions. Mm-hmm. And that was something that kind of blew me away because I never really thought of gear that way. It's not that you want something nicer just because it sounds better, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're chasing that, you're never going to find it because at the end of the day, it's not the gear, it's how you use it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to look at gear from the point of view of, is this holding me back? What's holding you back? <laughs> <laughs> that, one, that one's for you, Enoch. <laughs> yeah, if anyone's in make pop music, you get it. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> but but no. So I think that that's super important to think about. Like, you know, I'm uh, my first love was guitar and I, I love vintage guitars. I love Fender guitars. I even love Gibson guitars. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been buying a lot of guitars because the one that's sitting right here isn't holding me back anymore. I basically designed the guitar. So, um, you know, I bought it cheap. That's a Chris Shiflett Mexican made um, Telecaster Deluxe the 72 deluxe. And so I put a hip shot bridge on it. I put locking tuners on it. Um, finally got it set up exactly how I want it to be. Um, swapped out the pots, put in um, a set of Lindy Frolin. But so you changed the tuners out too. Pickups. Yeah. And uh, they're just perfect. Like they, every sound that I could possibly want outside of like metal this guitar does it perfectly. Mm-hmm. So I haven't bought any other guitars because this one isn't holding me back. And any guitar after that is simply for the hobby side of being a guitarist, yeah. you know? And I think having that, I was going to say, I, that's why I bought a guitar recently. Um, I bought the, uh, that LTD <laughs> from my friend Chris, uh, with the Everton bridge in it, because at the time I was doing a decent amount of, uh, heavier guitar as far by heavier i mean like heavy music metal and such guitar tracking um and i bought it with the evertune bridge and got it set up and everything everything so that whenever i do track heavier stuff it goes out of tune and uh, you know it's so low it goes out of tune really easily Everton keeps it a little more in tune every time and makes tracking a lot faster that's something that my other guitar my other seven string was holding me back from it was taking four times as long to track because i was always having to retune and make sure and maybe like it wasn't fully intonated because it's a really long scale length so i was having to like tune for higher parts and then retune for lower parts and like that was a strategic purchase that helped me level up now i can track metal songs four times faster than i could before and it saves me time and makes me money because i can finish a song faster right um 
Sorry, I was checking to make sure I'm connected through USB. Yeah, you are. You're um, good. Because Wi-Fi isn't too hot today. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm in the same boat. Like, I have a 30-inch baritone Jazzmaster. Um, and I bought the guitar just on a whim because it sounded kind of cool. And then I found out that this is the tone that I'm always searching for. Mm-hmm. You know, you just put a ton of gain with single coils. And that's essentially what all of these guys are doing with these super high gain humbuckers because they just boost the top end and then they wonder why like they're tone searching for days um you know i mean it's super noisy i don't know if i play it live but like for the studio it's like the metal guitar it sounds great um and so i i think that it's you know really about breaking down like what you want out of your gear and like what you don't like about your gear right now and then making a purchase based on that um you know going back to monitors Mm -hmm. it's like my dyne audios i i've learned whenever i first got these speakers it felt like a massive step up because i was using like these cheap jbls and like they would distort at such low levels that i thought my high end was always perfect when in fact it was not perfect at all um what happens is if you turn up speakers they'll start distorting naturally and it doesn't sound like, for those who don't know, it, it doesn't sound like, you know, a mic clipping. It doesn't sound like a guitar pedal distortion. It sounds like um, almost like a smearing mm-hmm. where it'll literally smooth out your top end and you'll perceive it as sounding better when in reality, it does, like the actual audio doesn't sound anything like that. Or it's it smears out in my instance. So you you have the Dyn Audio lid sevens the sevens so and i have the yamaha hs sevens and they're similar where your smears the top end mine smears like the upper mid-range uh which is a really important area it's so important and which is a huge issue for me that um i have to listen to those areas in really low volumes like really really low volumes lower than i normally do because that area smears so easily there's a lot of problematic frequencies in there especially with guitars or hi-hats especially like trap hats and vocals Um, a lot of the lispiness in uh like the three to five k range three to six k range really is like really hard to hear whenever that stuff gets smeared and it gets smeared so easily because of the distortion on those the threshold so low yeah see with the old speakers it was like higher than that mm-hmm. and kind of like that same problem area that you have it kind of extended down on these i actually hear like two to four k really really well mm-hmm. which is a godsend because like whenever you think of something sounding harsh a lot of people will think it's like ultra high end but typically it's your high mids mm-hmm. that end up just making things sound terrible um my low end on these is awful. I mean, part of that is because of the room yeah. that I'm in. But like I've I've worked out of a bunch of different rooms. Um, two of them were treated. And like the base on these, even though it changes from room to room, it's still just awful. It's like after 80 hertz, it just it's gone. There's nothing. So if I'm doing anything, it was fine for like metal mm-hmm. because like there isn't a whole lot going on down there. But whenever I started doing more pop music and hip hop, it was like everything man, felt really. This thin. sounds perfect, and then I put it in the car, and the the sub is eating the speakers, and I'm like, <laughs> why? 
I wonder why. How bizarre. <laughs> yeah. You know? So if you can't hear it, then you can't fix it. You know? Right. So right. And that's and a, I had a similar issue with my old <clears throat> the old speakers that I was using. Uh kind of the opposite thing. Um, so at the studio that I was working at before I brought my studio to my house, uh, we had HS eights, Yamaha HS eights, which are notoriously low mid tubby. So, uh, really, really hyped in like the lower mid range areas, but they also had the sub. So they make a Yamaha sub that pairs with, um, those speakers or the hs7s that i have i don't have this sub here but for this reason of my low end was too much so i would end up making really thin mixes or the opposite would happen i would push to really feel that low end in the room and my mixes would be super low end heavy yeah, that's another thing, like for all of the newcomers out there, I feel like we all deal with this when yeah. we're starting out. You should not feel bass. You should hear bass. Mm -hmm. Um, the first time that I went down to Fire K, he has a set of SM9s, which are like eight thousand dollars, and mm -hmm. they're really hi-fi sounding. Like I know all the EDM guys love them. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're so it's clear. a great Yeah, like it's a great speaker to have if you're like a commercial studio where you have like your clients in the room doing production sessions mm -hmm. because you're able to hear all the details, but like it's pretty hi-fi at the same time. So it kind of gives the impression that it's closer to finish than it really is. And the headroom on those things are wild. Like you can, yeah, you can push them. It's pretty, it's pretty dummy. It's, it's very dummy. For sure. And uh, I love like the high end on Focals. And so first time i mixed on those mix came out awful because i wasn't used to the speakers mm -hmm. but what's interesting is because it's this wonderful space the first time that i heard bass instead of feeling it was weird because it's not something that we're used to you figure you're driving in a car and you you feel the rumble from the road you know you never just hear it like you always feel it mm -hmm. um you know that's why a lot of guys will actually use a sub pack instead of a uh you know set of subs is because mm -hmm. that way you're able to feel the bass without the bass being in the rooms yeah a um, sub pack is super cool for those that don't know it's this little backpack that attaches to your chair um i think you can actually wear it too but you get it attaches to your chair and it essentially it pumps the sub frequencies from your system into that backpack so you feel it like you are when you're sitting in a car that's like yep. really what they're after is that like feeling of i'm sitting back in my chair and i can feel my back just like rumbling yep which is a great option if yeah. you're in a smaller room and you need, and you want to stick to smaller speakers um because there's like there's like a lot that goes into a subwoofer mm -hmm. you know i've been in studios with I mean, at ClearTrack, they had a sub in every room, and it was crazy because of how hype it was. And I remember, um, you know, I was there visiting Lane, and he was just like, yeah, like, we really just do it for production sessions. So mm -hmm. then that way, like, the artist feels stoked. Yeah. And um, that, and that's the other thing. If you're more of a producer and a songwriter, uh, and you are working, I would even say, if you're a producer and a songwriter, and you're mainly working with, like, hip-hop music 
and EDM music, things where kind of the below end is the foundation of your song and your production, something like that would be super beneficial. It, it is beneficial for you to be able to sit down and really feel the bass. So I understand that point of view because me and Josh both work on those kind of things sometimes. It is beneficial especially early on when you're not really sure how to listen for bass, because that is yeah. something that takes a lot of practice and intentionality. Yeah. And like, so the whole argument against subwoofers is that if it's a cheaper system with a cheaper crossover, then you'll run into like phase cancellation in the mm -hmm. low end, which can cause more problems um, with monitoring than if you were to just not use a sub. But subs are also pretty lit and yeah. if you want that if you want that response in the room like if you're always working with people in the room it's not a bad idea to get a sub because then everybody's able to feel it you won't have someone constantly saying turn the 808 up mm -hmm. and uh then whenever it's time to mix you can always turn it off and kind of use it as a reference just to make sure your levels are solid but um you know if you're in kind of like a diy setup i want to early recommend mixing on yeah, one i would so i would say your better option and i guess we're kind of starting to deviate from monitors we'll come back to monitor actually before i say this let's let's finish up this monitor conversation real quick the monitors for you as a producer like we said i feel like going a little cheaper and maybe a little more hyped is probably a little better for you if you're not mixing. If you definitely aren't mixing yep. and you're just songwriting and making tracks for people, I feel like that'd probably be a really good way to go personally. I know that if I was only producing, like I wasn't mixing at all, I would probably change my speakers out for something a little more exciting and I would probably add a sub for when I'm working with people in here. I could crank it and it just hits and everybody's feeling it and I could annoy them, the crap out of my neighbors. Uh, <laughs> but if you're if you are looking to mix and you're looking at referencing here's where we're getting into another conversation of be particular about your speakers, and instead of referencing on a sub, I've had better success personally with treating your room right, learning your room really well on one set of speakers, and, and referencing on a really good set of headphones. Yep. And like, also, while we're talking about one set of speakers, a lot of guys have like three sets of speakers in the room for different, you know, reference points. And to me, that's a waste. If you need three sets of speakers, then you shouldn't you shouldn't be using any of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, kind of like having. I know like, guys that use two, and that's for a different thing. They have their more. They're strategically using speakers, which I can talk about that. But yes, if yeah, you're using like, like I mean, I've seen guys have like Amphions next to Barefoots, Amphions for mixing and the Barefoots for when there's a artist in the room. I've seen guys that do. So the, the common one is um, a pair of more hype, big sounding speakers. And then a uh, like, I don't know. A pair of, uh, I think Scepters are a big one. The... Uh, but I feel like the NS10s, the Yamaha NS10s, 
paired with a paired with a bigger speaker is a really common look is what i'm saying yeah and it's like really common and that and that is for specifically that is for um full mix reference on the big speakers and then uh on your ns10s or your smaller uh more focused speakers um generally it's a set of speakers that has a lot less low end and a lot less high end. It's way more mid focused. It lets you hear a lot more problem areas, a lot of nasty stuff. It's really clear in those areas. So it is good for things like finding problem areas in your vocal, in your guitar, in your drum mid range, like your snare and your tom area. Um, or if you have weird stuff happening in your overheads and rooms, those are some, those are really, that's a really good way to kind of, find those things but yeah. i say all of that to say they are not necessary it is not mm -hmm. necessary if you see big like flashy multiple speakers that's cool i'm telling you from a person who does it all the time it's not a hundred percent necessary there are guys that do mixes every single day on one set of speakers and a pair of headphones yeah and um Something else to add to that is whenever you're, you know, shopping for speakers, there's kind of like these different price points, which are really strange. Like you have all the entry level speakers, which are like mm -hmm. 150 bucks per speaker. Then you get up into the mid range, which is like 500 to 750 per speaker. And then there's kind of a gap until you hit like the 1000 to $1,500 per speaker mark. And then after that, it's not you. You don't really get anything until you hit the like the three thousand dollars per speaker mark. Mm -hmm. So there's like these different price ranges with little gaps in between, and you can expect different things out of each one. And uh, I guess you know the kind of point of all of this is if you need a set of speakers because you're planning on mixing or you care deeply about your monitoring and want to offer the best like rough mixes that you can to artists, then it's pretty safe to say that any of the speakers in the $3,000 mark are going to be like more than enough for you. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be also good enough for a lot of the professional mix guys. You know, if you take a set of Amphion's, Barefoot's, PMC's, Focal, they have those solo sixes that are mm -hmm. in that price range. Any of those speakers and give them to a, a professional mixer, they can do their thing on them. They might not enjoy them, <laughs> yeah, but they could they could do it. It gives you everything that you need. Um, you know, anything after that, that's mostly going to be room dependent. That's going to be, um, you know, budget dependent. I mean, <laughs> really, it's you know, per, I mean, it's per mix engineer most of the time. It's like what, how they're because everybody's ears hear things pretty differently. So it's really like what works best for your ears and what works best for this person's ears. You know, yeah. Um, the flattest, most universally positive speakers I think me and Josh have ever seen are the PMCs. I don't think and I've it, ever heard it anything. It really comes anything. down to their it comes down to their construction. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I've heard barefoots and I'm not gonna lie, I really liked barefoots. Mm -hmm. Um but I liked barefoots with sonar works. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean it is that can absolutely be a room issue. For sure. But you know, I've like you hear mixed things about sonar works. Whenever I hear anybody talk about the PMCs that they own, they're like, This is the last set of speakers I'll buy. Mm -hmm. And um 
I mean, John Caselli was just talking about it on their podcast about uh, the parts that they use, mm-hmm. which was kind of news to me. But he said that he's pretty sure that everything that they use is 100% proprietary besides like one ATC mid-range driver that they use in one model. And, um, you know, they have the, um, I forget what they call it. It's like the drive line or something like yeah. that. They, ha- they have this really cool tech where it basically extends the frequency response um lower and also through the crossover point where most speakers can't do that there's just no way to do and it and that's a lot of time that's what that issue causes uh some of that smearing some of that distortion yep. or it causes phase issues um, and causes a cancellation so either, either yep. has too much of something because it's trying to trying to cross over into that uh next so by crossover we mean the speak the there's generally two areas of a speaker there's like your big main uh speak area of your speaker and then there's your tweeter on the top for your high end uh and then for some speakers there's even subs uh built into them uh and so there has to be a crossover point for all of those speakers to sound like one unit yep so if they don't cross over correctly sometimes there will be a gap and you won't have that frequency which in mixing you literally cannot have that happen because you yep. need to be able to hear every single frequency available to you for issue fixing, for making the mix sound the best it can. The other issue is, like what he said, is sometimes when they try to extend those frequencies into the crossover, they double up and they don't, they're not matched right or something. And so they start pushing too much of that frequency and that causes the distortion whenever you crank it up too much. And it causes that smearing effect we were talking about earlier where yeah. you can't, it's hard to hear specific frequencies because that. And then that the last thing is if it's happening. crossing over like that and they're on top of each other and then they're out of phase, then you don't have anything there. Yeah. Which so is you, like, it'll sound flat until you put it somewhere else and then there's a major bump somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like what you run into with cheaper speakers. Once you get into, you know, that higher price point that I mentioned, that's when those things really start getting tight. You know, like, I mean, I know guys that swear by footprints, by barefoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I know guys that swear by solo sixes. I know guys that swear by PMCs. Um, I know people who swear by Amphion, you know, it's yeah. like all of those brands, they're solid brands. Just listen to them. Um See what works best and, for you. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah that's really what it comes Which down to. I will say right now is kind of hard to do. To be fair, uh, yeah, but everything's closed. Yeah, exactly. So, like we said, if you're if you're speaker shopping in that range, then cool. Buy a pair, live with them for a look. I think Sweetwater does like a thirty a thirty day return. Depending on what, I'm pretty sure they go all the way up to like 60 days. Okay, so like there you go. Spending a month with a set of speakers will let you know if that's what works for you or not. And if they don't work for you, just return them and then get a different pair and look for one until you find the right And set. you know what? Like, you know, we had mentioned before that Sweetwater reps are great resources for information. Mm-hmm. Those guys get to test these things hands on. And sometimes I think the best input for, you know, what's up with speakers is to talk to both the guys who know exactly what they're talking about and then the guys who are 
who don't really know what they're talking about because that kind of um, naive perspective can actually add a lot of you know insight into what it is. And so I was talking to John, my Sweetwater rep, and I was like, hey, man, I saw that you guys started carrying PMCs. I've been super interested in them. Um, this is before I heard anything really about them. Mm-hmm. I thought that they looked cool. I saw the price point and I was curious. And so he was like, yeah. So before we carried those, I always said that the Adams S3Vs were mm-hmm. like the best because of their new tweeter, I think it was. Yeah, they read the, the driver and the tweeter and it sounds super clear. Yeah, so it doesn't sound like any other Adam speaker from ever, but they're seven grand a set. Like yeah. that's a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like if I'm working on major, sure. You know, yeah. but like right now, let's let's not even think about Slow it. Slow down. <laughs> and um so he he was talking about how that was his favorite speaker. Mm-hmm. And then he heard the Adams next to um a set of barefoots next to a set of PMCs. And he said that the PMCs were hands down the best all around. Mm-hmm. They're very flat. They're very even. They give you um, clear transient response all throughout. Um, something to consider, a lot of these brands, I'm pretty sure even my Dian Audios have it, is a lot of these have onboard DSP to try to give you a better listening experience, mm-hmm. which is stupid. Yeah. Why would you want your speakers to change what you're hearing? You know? That's why, that's why you're paying the higher price point for a speaker that is supposedly, like we said, quote unquote, supposedly flatter, um, you don't want the hype in the high mids or you don't want the notchy bump in like, I, I think mine have a weird notch at like 2K for some reason. Oh, they, they 100% do. Yeah. I was listening to Nick's when I was in LA and it was very obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Nick use the same ones. The, um, but then it comes oh, to- Oh, he just got shapes. Huh? He just got shapes. Oh, yeah. I saw that. I, I texted yeah, him about it. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear those if I could ever yeah. travel again. <laughs> I know, right? Um, which I know, uh, I believe John McLucas was, homie was using uh, Focal Shapes for a long time. Um, and I know his mixes were translating pretty well on that. They are really He was solid. on Alphas? Huh? He was on Alphas, the ones that are like half the price. He was on price. Alphas? Okay. Yeah, 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 that's even better. Like, they're half the price. Like, yeah. that's... And you can make your mix translate on that. So let's transition from higher end speakers like your PMCs. And I will say, I won't even say higher end speakers. I'll say upper mid speakers. It's a weird price point, yeah. man. Because like for for like beginners, like that's like I remember seeing speakers for five hundred bucks a pair when I was first starting, and I was like, oh, that's what the pros mix on. And then. <laughs> Reality hit me in the face, and I'm like, some of these speakers cost more than literally the BMW I seven grand for a speaker for a side is like normal in the in the top 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 end of speakers. Um, So when we say top end of speakers, we we more so mean like the top end of what we are probably ever going to use in our and mind studios. you we're talking about near field speakers there's yeah. different kinds you're not going to see any of the different kinds in, in in a lower price range yeah but i think that we're in this new era where even the best mix engineers are working in something that's kind of similar to a home studio setup mm-hmm. so you know you're not going to have these massive main setups yeah you know i mean i forget the guy's name and i feel bad i can't drop it but uh chris brown's mix engineer 
he literally mixes out of a bedroom and he has uh, a set of PMCs. I want to say they're even like result sixes. Like it's not yeah, that's crazy. what we're looking at. And, in a, in a MacBook mm-hmm. and like that's it in an untreated room and that's what he mixes on and like here's how many number ones and yeah. it's like we're kind of in this cool place right now where gear is getting cheaper because the facilities are getting cheaper right mm-hmm. so you know three thousand dollars for a set of speakers is a lot of money but it's one of those things where it's going to give you everything that you're able to compete with and mm-hmm. you're going to be able to keep it forever um but then also like great speakers are now also getting a lot cheaper mm-hmm. underneath that price point so let's like, talk about shapes. those let's talk about those like the the sub so i think we kind of broke it down into like your uh seven or eight hundred dollar a pair i'm, I'm pulling up Sweetwater. water maybe right now. maybe even like maybe even like 700 to a thousand dollars a pair speaker was like the step below of what we're talking about so uh for reference, Barefoot's, PMC's, Amphion's, you're talking like three grand plus, probably maybe four or five grand. Yeah, uh, we'll just bump all that into like the that's $1,000 like, to $1,500. Yeah, that's your, that's your top end. So let's come down to the like $700 to $1,000. And this is where probably most of your, most of your like serious, I'm getting started in in making my career as a mix engineer or producer, this is probably where a lot of people are going to live. This is where me and Josh are right now. That's where yeah. my speakers are. I want to say eight hundred dollars for the pair, maybe even seven hundred dollars for the oh, pair. Oh, see, I'm going, I'm going per speaker right now. Oh, okay. so we we were just talking about fifteen hundred dollars a pop. I'm not even going to talk yeah. about the thousand dollars to like fifteen hundred dollar range. So it's it kind of weird. I, I think my top pick from like 750 to a thousand is going to be the Focal Shape series. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably the best speakers that you could get in that price range because your other options are the Dyn Audio OID series, some Mackies, some JBLs, and then Genelex. Genelex have a very specific sound. I was kind of set on them for a while, but like I haven't heard them and mm-hmm. I know my speakers, so I'm better off just keeping them until I get a really nice set of speakers. I will say the Genelex for somebody who is looking to uh, just produce might not be a bad move. Um, I know like Bring Me the Horizon uses, used a pair of small Genelex uh, to record their last EP that yeah. did really, really well. You're, and, you're talking like three to four hundred dollars per speaker yeah cheap uh, you know cheap in in reference to like speakers three or four hundred dollars per speaker is pretty cheap so we're talking like seven to eight hundred dollars for the pair what's uh, crazy about genelec is it's almost like they're the best like low-end speaker and then their high-end speakers are like a good two thousand dollars more than what we were just talking about yeah they're high which is crazy wild they start at like five grand for yeah. a pair um i think the good ones yeah. that i like are like the ones that are like the faceless ones with the little dot in the middle those are like eighty five hundred dollars or something like that those are three ways too i know they're wild um the next set you know going from like the 500 to 750 range i think the only ones that you should really consider are gonna be adam even though i hate to recommend their lower end speakers it's just not a thing that i dig yeah um yeah, but i mean i know some people that like them and right, I was, like a lot of rock guys like them yeah uh jbls a lot of a lot of a lot of rock guys like the jbls in that range I, i'm there are 
no JBLs on Sweetwater site in that or range maybe right maybe now. it's the maybe it's the JBLs in the range above with the focal shapes that a lot of guys like. They stopped making those, but I know the ones with all the knobs on the front. Yeah, yeah, they stopped making those, but they're good. They were cool. I they're, know a lot of people they are that good. liked them. I know, a lot, dude. There's so many guys I know who still mix on those or mm-hmm. uh, J mixes on those. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I would say Adam A7X, Focal Alpha series, and then the Neumann KH series. The Neumanns are super flat. They're probably yeah. like the most accurate mixing speaker that you could find in that price range. Um, what's interesting about cool. them, they offer these speakers, they're 5.25 inches and they're $700 a set. The next step up for them is $2,200 per speaker for their three ways. So they really care about what they're doing and they're pricing accordingly, um, which is really good to know because, you know, Neumann kind of gets carried away with their microphones. Yeah. But those speakers, like everybody I know who's used them said that they're incredible to mix on, maybe not the best to produce on. But I think between the Focal, the JBL or the Atom and then Neumann, like that gives you a good range of what to choose from. And that was how much? Um, what, What price range was that? Uh, like right around the five to seven fifty range. For the Neumanns are the most expensive. They're seven hundred dollars a piece, and they're also the smallest out of that bunch. Oh, seven hundred dollars a speaker. Yep, got you. Yep, and then going down to the three hundred to five hundred dollars. That's whenever you're looking at the super tiny Genelex that are great for travel. Mm-hmm. You have the uh, you know, HS series from Yamaha, which is you have what the I JBLs. Have. You know, any of those speakers are going to do pretty all right. The um, one speaker I have a lot of experience with is the IK Multimedia iLoud MTM speaker. I forgot these things look so cheap because they look (laughs) they look like ripoff Genelex, and they come with their own little reference mic to fix the frequency response to your room. I have no clue how much that affects the phase because it's like per speaker. <laughs> but uh, Sam just got those because he needed smaller speakers for his room. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, they are way more accurate than my Dyn Audios. Every time I do a demo <laughs> at his place and I play it in the car, it sounds perfect. Anytime I do a demo on these speakers, even though I know them, I, I'm never happy. <laughs> so, you know, that's me. Spent $750 a piece on these speakers and I hate them. Well, I didn't spend that much. I got them used. Yeah, I about to say. I, I spent Shout like out to guitar 700 center. for the pair for mine. Um, yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Don't be afraid to buy used. Like if yeah. you're buying from a reputable dealer, like Reverb is really good with protecting you. My yeah. dad bought a guitar through them and there was a crack in the neck pocket and they fixed it. Um, that's where I got my speakers and I ended up getting them for basically half price. Yeah, dude, I, I paid... See... I thought I was going to pay half price for these speakers, but Guitar Center made me pay for shipping. Mm. And then there's tax and all that good stuff. So it ended up coming out to be like, I ended up saving $400 when I bought these, which, which is, is solid. a lot. You know, there was only a small chip in the corner. Now nobody wants to buy them, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely shop used, check out Guitar Center, check out Reverb. Uh, Sweetwater is now selling used gear as well. Yeah. Shout out to them because we love them. Yep. Um, but I think that that just about covers covers everything. Speaker if you're looking wise. for a super cheap set of $150 speakers, literally pick anything because it doesn't matter that much. And um, let's ta- do a quick little blurb on headphones. Um, headphones are headphones are cool from a 
for I like to use them for referencing. I'm yeah. I'm getting I've challenged myself this year to mix more on headphones because I like the idea of me not being confined to a room specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh you know this. I talked to you about this, but I I have been this is something I've been kind of thinking about for a minute, but really I think t- this new year 2021 I'm going to dig in and try to mix more on solely my headphones. Um I'm probably going to upgrade these. These are the Bayer Dynamic uh DT990s. They are open back. They don't they don't have a closed back, so noise escapes them. You don't get weird low end buildups uh like my Sennheiser HD280 Pros, which a lot of people also have these. These are great I for tracking. Those because they're closed back and they don't allow sound to escape. They're super sealed. So they're great for tracking. The ones that I'm wearing right now, my uh, biodynamics, they are terrible for tracking because literally sound just escapes out the back of it. Uh, yeah. So you can hear everything. But another thing to take into consideration with headphones is um, your ears naturally compress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the something months in something curve where, yeah, it's basically as audio gets louder, your ears think that it sounds better. So it's important to get open back headphones. So the sound pressure doesn't become too much. It's also important to try out different headphones. Um, I bought this pair of audio technica R70 X's. I love them because they're super lightweight and they have this little, um, spring-loaded head thing yeah and so i could literally wear these for hours with no issue problem is is i don't really like how they sound they aren't super super accurate mm-hmm. i know that like the higher end bear dynamic stuff is always talked about sennheiser hd 600s so that's or, what i was going to upgrade to is the 600 or 650 pros maybe i don't remember it's one of the open back series that is yeah. really widely regarded as the flattest headphones that people have found so what's interesting is like those are like kind of like the baseline for mixing on headphones yeah you know i know that the bear dynamic 1990s are like really really good and then probably the nicest headphones that you could get for mixing without getting into like audiophile territory mm-hmm. is audis headphones mm-hmm. i think that's how you pronounce it um the lcd twos are talked about a lot uh moshe and rob um two of our friends mm-hmm. they both adore those headphones about a thousand bucks for a pair yeah um so like you know that's really getting up there but uh but what it does allow you to do and this is why i it's at least it's it's uh appealing to me is that it doesn't require you to do crazy amounts of room treatment and it also doesn't like require you to be in your one place to mix right Another thing to consider is in-ear monitors. Yeah. But you have to be careful because in-ear monitors are going to mess with you even more than closed-back headphones. You have to make sure you get the right kind. Yep. The um, 64 Audio, they actually have a patented design where there's a pressure regulator in the actual earpiece. So the more bass that comes in, the more pressure is released. So that way your ears are constantly listening at a um at a uh it's a flat it's pressure a fl- it's a flat balance pressure level so yes. it's kind of it's similar to microphones in that uh your uh your spl for microphones uh we kind of talked about it on our microphone episode but 
uh, SPL for microphones, it dynamic microphones can take a higher sound pressure level than um, uh, condenser microphones because they are less gain. They're less likely to break the higher sound pressure level for condenser microphones could potentially break some of them caveat that a lot of them are made super well now. And that's very unlikely, but it is possible. The opposite is the case for what we're talking about with headphones, the sound pressure level, your ear has a fixed sound pressure level per person that it can handle before it starts compressing or before it starts altering what you're hearing. And we're just flat out damaging or just, ears. yeah, just, just, just destroying your eardrum. And you gotta yeah, be really and- careful with that. So like with these, when I'm mixing on these, I'm, I'm at a very low listening volume. Like, yep. I can have these are open back, so I can still hear my room around me. Like my wife will come in while I'm mixing, and like it's low enough that I can talk to her while I'm mixing with my headphones on. I I have to do the same thing, um, and I mean I do that with my speakers too. Um, so yeah, like you basically want to make sure. I mean, mind you, like the monitors that we were talking about are the same price as the mm-hmm. sixty four audio in ears you know um like they're expensive but now like you have something that fits in your pocket that you can go like if you're if you're a live sound engineer and you do monitor mixes that's probably the best thing that you could buy because you could use them uh whenever you're out on a gig you can Mm -hmm. also use them when you're at home you can use them for mixing like yeah and and that probably makes the most sense that's what nick did well yeah and all i was going to say was we can give people some reference so recently there has been a couple people to mix records that have gone out. I mean, there are there are more that we don't know about, but there are guys mixing and mastering on headphones right now for songs that are going to radio, whether it's rock radio or pop radio. And you could not tell a difference. And a yep. lot, some of them are referencing on Apple AirPods. <laughs> like they're literally yeah. using AirPods to reference. And then there's also guys who are mixing on headphones and it's very obvious that they're mixing on headphones Mm -hmm. because, you know, there's always this weird mid-range stuff going on. The high end is just sort of weird. Like typically you could tell other times you can't. So once again, it's about learning your gear. As long as it doesn't hold you back, you're fine. Mm -hmm. And it's different for everybody, but it's important to sit down and actually learn your stuff first before you decide on whether or not it's holding you back. So one, two, two records that I know of and Josh also knows of that were mixed by one guy in quarantine mixed by the same guy. They sound very different to me. Both records do, um, are the new bring me the horizon, uh, post human survival horror EP was mixed a hundred percent on headphones by two. Actually th- that was mixed by two different guys. Cause Ludens was mixed by uh dan same with parasite eve and parasite eve was mixed by dan uh but they were all headphones i believe Head- parasite eve might not have been no no dan doesn't mix on headphones he, he was, but he makes uh, ludens on headphones he, he oh really yeah he makes i think he mixed it in uh i think he makes it in a hotel room he definitely mixed it somewhere and then he brought it to the hotel room maybe that's what it was 
So he did revisions on headphones. So he probably I mean, yeah we'll, he did revisions on headphones. So it's like we'll, half we'll half. say one and a half. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but the rest of the songs were mixed by uh, John Feldman's guy, whose name is Zach Cervini. Yeah, that Zach Cervini. Yeah, that's how you say it. Zach Cervini, who's a uh, who's big in like the pop rock pop punk kind of world. Uh, working with Feldman does a lot did a lot of production and and mixing for feldman uh but he's recently mixed the rest of the songs on post human survival horror by bring me the horizon and he has mixed the entire new architects record which i can't remember what it's called but it's literally it's about to come out in the end of february really he mixed it yeah he mixed it weird and that's what i'm saying those those two albums sound very different they were mixed by the same guy on the same headphones uh in the same place i'll be honest with you while i i think his mixes are impressive from like i i I both i have things i dislike and then i have things i like like most things right yeah but that's like some of that's preference and opinion yeah like the way that he uses saturation on that record is really really cool so i think it's super interesting however the low end response on it you could tell it was mixed on headphones and it could have also just been his preference too because i need to go back and listen to stuff that he has mixed not on headphones knowing that he had mixed it he mixed uh he mixed being as an ocean he mixed Mm -hmm. fever mixed uh yeah that fever record is probably a really good example of he does all the young blood stuff too i think yeah he did and he makes the new young blood record i believe all in his house on headphones as well yeah that Um, record sounds really good yeah it does and like low end on that one's great so maybe it was just like a album choice so but go check those out if you're interested in albums that were mixed on headphones um I also believe that a lot of Periphery 3, I think Nolly mentioned that he mixed a lot of that on headphones. I could Why, be wrong. Though? He got like $7,000 speakers to listen to. <laughs> For reference, dude. That dude's nuts. Dude, he's wild. Nolly is crazy. He's a wild man. Yeah, if anybody wants to like learn how to mix heavy music, just look at the free tutorials he puts out on YouTube. Yeah. And like... His voice is so calming. That man could just speak to me all day and I would be, I'd die happy. Between, for me personally, just talking about amazing mixes that he's done, between Periphery 3 and Holy Hell, the Architects record that he did, like, it's just mind-blowingly wild to me. Those two records have nothing on uh, Alien by North Lane, though. Yeah, which he also mixed, which is also that mix wild. Is insane. That is the wildest mix I've ever heard in yeah, my life. It's I know you're not listening to this, but Nolly, if you're listening to this, that record, I don't understand how you managed all of the parts in that record because there's so much happening and it's so clear. I don't understand. <laughs> it is godlike. Like everything has its place, but then everything sounds like it's like full range. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's like, pretty even the if guitars not... are fat, but then the drums are fat. And yeah. it's like you can't have both if you're me. But you did. Because I'm bad. <laughs> but like him, it's just like it's crazy. Yeah, he, I 
if you if you're not into that kind of music, honestly, I would still go listen to that. If you're not if you're not into heavier music, I would still go listen to Alien by Northlane and a lot of these other records that we've mentioned. They are generally <laughs> rock or heavier records. Yeah. But the His from mixes. The, the, the sonics of those records are just really wild to me. Yeah, so I was just about to say, like, the mix on Alien by Northlane, it's literally like a pop mix, but with a million things. <laughs> yeah, it's got so much stuff. Like, I mean, distorted guitars take up so much room in general, mm -hmm. and it's just like, that mix is, like, plus synths. very clean, and the transient response is very clean, like, it's not super compressed, it's not super anything, it's just super, super clean. His vocal and is super present, which is wild to me that all of that stuff is there, but his vocal is also very much at the forefront of all of the yeah. mix. Like, I barely even listen to heavy music anymore, and that record still gets me excited because it was so well produced, mm -hmm. it was so well recorded, and the mix is just phenomenal. Like, seriously, if you want to, like, learn a thing or two about mixing, go watch his tutorials because, mm -hmm. like, once you learn how to mix a, you know, 120-track heavy song with all these different things, going down to, like, a 30-track pop song is just a piece of cake. So... And he does he does a lot of talking about if you're interested in mixing on headphones, he does a he has a bunch of different videos on YouTube about mixing on headphones from a dude that mixes on a professional, like super professional level. He is a very good, interesting, like person to watch and listen talk, to talk about mixing because he does both. He does. He talks about he was in the early stages of mixing on headphones and he tra is trying to also transition into mixing 100% on headphones. Same as Cervini. They're both and there are pop guys that do it all the time now that we just don't know about. You know, like I said, there are guys that just don't say what the what they're mixing on because the results is the biggest thing. The results speak for themselves. Well, it's just like there's songs on the radios where the guitars, or not the guitars, the vocals were recorded on an iPhone, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, despite having access to all this gear, sometimes like deadlines and COVID just prevents you from doing what you need to do. So you make things work. And this comes to a, a landing the plan conversation about this whole subject of monitoring and headphones and listening is if it sounds good. It is good, but make sure you are referencing to high quality stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just learn your mm -hmm. gear, you learn know, gear. Uh, something that really kind of hit me uh, over black Friday. I bought the isotope music production bundle just because I was like, oh, it's more stuff. It seems like it has everything that I need. Mm hmm. And I really sat down and learned how those plugins work. And now, like, I'm mostly, like, here, I saved all the plugins that I use. Before, I used a ton of plugins, but now I'm mostly just using Ozone 9. Um, I use Neutron if something needs, like, really fixed or for, like, the transient designer. Um, I use a few Fab Filter plugins. I use three four waves plugins and then i use the slate bundle and like that's it that's it 
you know like it's it simplified my maybe so 15 much. to 20 plugins total because like, because of the slate bundle being multiple things yeah like i mean i'll tell you what i use in the slate bundle i use the api eq i use the cs eq i use the 1176 and the la2a oh nice you don't even use and then the sometimes i'll stress. use the uh the preamps and that's it yeah i can't hear you but i could hear me <laughs> my uh my computer's starting to freak out cool well i think that this would be a great place to end it <laughs> <laughs> yes it would be sweet well thanks for listening to us ramble yep hey it's been real uh just if you take anything away from this learn your gear and gear and make sure your gear is not holding you back yep but make sure you learn it first because if you don't learn it then there's no way to tell if it's you or the gear that's holding you back that's a good good point we could have just said that and ended the podcast and it would have been (laughs) fine but instead we talked about it for an hour hey you know what that's what we do um on that note that's what we do thank you for your time thank you for your ears thank you for your listening to us talk and ramble and stuff um let us know if you have any questions or if you just want some more recommendations of stuff we're always down to chat check us out on instagram that's kind of where me and josh both live the most i would say tiktok Uh, that's yeah. where I've been. Josh has been on TikTok, so check him out over there. And uh, we are out. And that's it for this episode of the Home Studio Hangout Podcast. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with us today. If you'd like to find any of the links to all of the stuff that we talked about today, you can find it on YouTube. Just search Home Studio Hangout or find it on the After School Podcast YouTube channel. All the links for everything we talked about will be in the description of this episode. Thanks again for checking us out. If you aren't subscribed, please go ahead and subscribe to us on your favorite uh, podcast channel. Leave a review if you gain some knowledge or learn something from what we talked about today. It helps other people find us and maybe even grow a little bit more. Once again, thanks for coming and hanging out and keep on creating.